0: Um, Like Rebecca said, my name is Christy Forrester, and I am so excited to be here with you tonight and, and honored to be here. My world is so full, which she kind of alluded to, but one of my favorite things to do is to talk about the Bible and our wonderful Savior When I say my days are full, it is because the Lord is so good. You may see me running around with my seven children. You may catch me gardening or feeding our animals or maybe our bottle calves that we have right now or even homeschooling year-round because I like to be able to take off on adventure whenever I want. (laughs) At night, I am often caught taking client calls, for I'm also a marriage and family therapist at night when my kids are sleeping. We love the Lord, and we love to be outdoors. We love adventure. We love helping others in our community. But above all, we seek to be a family on mission. What that means is we try to live our life as a family, in the kingdom of God. And most recently, we're doing that through the ministry called Safe Families for, Chil- for Children. And that is where my 12-year-old, my seventh, that we have been, had the honor to help raise for the last year. Um, oh, I was trying not to say any ums, sorry. <clears throat> Someone last time came up to me and said, you said no ums at the Christmas event. I was like, thank you. <sighs> There's one. Okay, so, this was not always our world, though, and I would love to invite you in just for a moment into some of how we got to where we are today. God promises in Revelations twelve eleven that we will triumph by the blood of the Lamb and by the words of our testimony. So I have full confidence that the Lord will use what I'm sharing today and has laid on my heart to meet you right where you are today. When Rebecca asked me to teach as a part of this Bible study, I was so excited to learn that we were studying Isaiah. Isaiah is one of my favorite prophets, so much so that one of my sons is named Isaiah. The name Isaiah means God saves. And that is who he is to me. He is the God who saves. When I got married, we always knew that it would be very difficult to have kids. I had stage 5 endometriosis. I had several surgeries below the literally under my belt. And, and we so desperately wanted to have a family. We always wanted to adopt. We talked about that, but we so desperately wanted to be pregnant here in the book of Isaiah, we get invited into the story of God's people, where we meet the prophet Isaiah, who is called in a grand vision we entered in on week one, in Isaiah six, by our almighty God, who is the God who saves. One of my favorite, favorite things about Isaiah is his ability to see what is coming. He has the gifting of a prophet, and this close relationship with God where he can talk to God, receive visions, and even get what seem to be like downloads from the Father's heart. I am amazed at Isaiah's boldness as he is dedicated to doing what is right in the face of all of his countrymen doing what is wrong and not turning. They are declared unrighteous and we learned a lot about that last week when Rebecca shared with us. For me, when I, when I come across the, the word righteousness, I often get stopped in my tracks. We throw it around like to be righteous, or we talk about the breastplate of righteousness in the armor of God. And for me, I feel on a practical level, I never really know how to interact with that word. So I've heard a amazing analogy that I wanted to share with you today, and I was reminded of it last week when I went fishing with all my kids at Lake Iowa. So amidst me getting lost in untangling everybody's fishing pole, you can imagine this, okay, nobody's been fishing before, Um, and everybody had a fishing pole. And so I was untangling lines and putting countless worms on hooks that they were, I'm praying they weren't hooking each other, and keeping the little ones from walking off into the deep. (sighs) I noticed three small boats over to the side. They were turned over and kind of chained in place. And it seemed as though it is something you could rent if you were wanting to paddle boat or something. But they looked like they had not been moved in quite some time. But I remembered this analogy, and I I know the Lord wants me to share it to you. So under these boats, let's imagine that I rented one, and I wanted to go for a little paddle boat, and I went to lift one up that's not been moved in quite some time. I'm sure you could imagine what I would find under there. I would find any mount of creepy crawly, snake, bug, spider, mouse, something. Some things that would be under there that love that environment. The environment created by the upside down boat draws these things. This boat did not have to send out an invitation and be like, please come to my party. All spiders, blah, 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 blah. right? They, it did not have to send out an invitation. In fact, just creating the environment drew all these things to it. So this is how I see righteousness. So unrighteousness is creating an upside down environment where all these creepy crawly things are attracted, and righteousness is flipping that boat over and putting it all into the light and creating an environment that things that dwell in darkness do not want to stay, okay? So as you think about righteousness or unrighteousness, I want you you to think of boats, okay? So right side up living is in the light, and those yucky things can't Remain in the light. I'll let you draw the analogy to those key things to your own spiritual life. But so what God is saying here is his people are living upside down. All their choices are hurting themselves or others around them. So much so that we learned last week that they were sick from head to toe. And we got this picture of open sores all over their body that was not being tended to, that a state so unrighteous that God, in His love, has to move. And that is the tension we are in in Isaiah. Up until this point, Rebecca has helped us climb to these summits of these amazing viewpoints in Isaiah where the people of God are under judgment and in the face of of wonderful promises that come out of the covenant, we see the people are not turning and they're not repenting. So, So judgment comes. And the people of God are in exile. Some are taken by the Assyrians, and and others are taken by the Babylonians. And Isaiah is writing to these people, knowing full well that they will be in a second exile, and that their hearts will be sad, and that they would feel forgotten. This week, we got to reach that grand pivot. That grand pivot in Isaiah where we shift from judgment into comfort. And in a very interesting way, um, for you more cerebral people, Isaiah is, is fashioned in a miraculous way like a mini Bible. So the Bible has 66 books with the Old Testament having 39 books and the New Testament having 27. And Isaiah has 66 chapters... And the first twenty nine are of judgment, and the last twenty seven are of comfort. How amazing do you do you get what I'm saying that Isaiah is telling the story of Israel and he's speaking ahead to the end of their exile and speaking ahead to the whole story of god it, it's it's amazing and a beautiful picture, all in Isaiah. Oh, how exciting it is when we reach this grand pivot. I hope you were able to catch your breath as you turn to chapter 40 and you hear these words for the first time. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. "'Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her "'that her warfare is ended and her iniquity is pardoned, "'that she has received from the Lord's hand "'double for all her sins. "'A voice cries, in the wilderness, "'prepare the way of the Lord. "'Make straight in the desert a highway for our God.' Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low, and uneven ground shall be level, and the rough places plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Oh, how grand it is in this pivot! I, I just want to stop in the middle and just acknowledge that as we pivot right here in this room, you, and especially in a room this size, you might have a lot of things that you brought with you today. I asked my group, what do you need, where do you need comfort today? And in a room this size, I am—I can imagine that there are things that have stopped you in your tracks, or things that have sent shockwaves through your entire families, and things that maybe you just simply don't want to talk about. But they're real, and they matter. Fear and anxiety. And the unknown has gripped us all over the last two years. And God is speaking through Isaiah, right through the pages, right to your heart. And Isaiah captures the state of the people. In Isaiah 40, verse 27, he says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded from my God. That's their heart. They feel forgotten and hidden and disregarded, and it seems as though they even have some wrong thoughts about who God is. Have you ever felt this way? Where you question things and you just aren't sure, or where you feel like you're hidden? from the Lord, that who you are seems to be disregarded, and you might be asking, does he care, and and would he do something? Dear sweet sisters, I have been here. I have clawed the ground of an empty nursery, filling the carpet with tears, And longing as one in vitro after another just simply didn't work and left my womb empty and longing for seven long years much like the woman with the issue of blood I searched for the hem of his garment but somehow through my brokenness I couldn't find it I sat in a shattered marriage with an empty womb and a broken heart. My husband was lost in his own wounding, and I floundered around grasping for hope. Both my husband and I could not find our way out of our darkness. But in the midst of that, God gave me two verses that I didn't understand how he would make them come to be. And they're found right here in Isaiah Isaiah 43 verse 5 through 6 is the verses he gave to me. It says, "Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and gather you, gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth." I had no idea how he was going to do this. Much like Israel and Judah, I was lost. Let's lean in together to hear how Isaiah, God through Isaiah, answers his people. Let's see if he sees. Let's hear if he cares and if he's going to do something. God through Isaiah answers his people with some more questions. And here they are. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord, the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, he does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases their strength even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings like eagles, they will run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. That God, the creator of the ends of the earth, he leans in that. I do not grow tired or weary, that my understanding is too great for you, that that God. He, here is what he gives. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Hmm. And he says, but those who hope in the Lord, or... Other translations say those who wait on the Lord. The Hebrew word here for hope and wait means this. I'm going to draw it together for you. That those who are standing right in the middle of their circumstances and their craziness, right in the midst of the storm, right in the midst of the pain, when they are dealing with some of the hardest stuff in the world, they stand and say, right here, right now. I may not be able to see what God is doing. I don't understand, and I can't see my way out. But I'm going to stand right here in the middle of this moment, and I'm going to trust in God is sitting on the throne, and he has promises for my life and purpose, and I believe that I am going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living." And I am not going to stop believing this, no matter what. That is what it means to wait or hope in the Lord. Just to stand in it and declare his promises. That is what it means. And here is the promise. Those who wait on the Lord, he says to you, dear sister, I, God, will renew your strength. And when you think you can't take one more breath, he'll keep you going. And when you feel like you can't go on, he will cause strength to rise. And then he'll cause strength to rise. And then he'll cause strength to rise. And you will keep waiting and hoping, and he will keep causing strength to rise. God says to you that he is holding you and that he is not gonna let go of you. Dear sisters, he is holding you together. In my own story that I've been sharing, I could not find my way out. And God used a phone call one day from a friend that sent us down the path to foster an adoption. We got asked if we would pray about a little baby girl that had a very broken heart. And she was in the NICU and she needed a family. This call jolted me out of my darkness. It gave me purpose and it was in a miraculous time of only two weeks, and that's amazing, we sat certified as foster parents, ready to take this little baby girl in. But to our devastation, she already had a place to go in those two weeks. And we sat and we wept. We said things like, I, I thought this was God. I, I thought I heard him. Everything lined up and the doors opened. I I don't understand. We sat and we stood. <laughs> And we declared that God was good no matter what. And once again, we could not see our way out on our own. Much like Israel and Judah, God was using Isaiah to call his people out. Isaiah used the picture of an eagle if you caught it to help them remember the last time he swooped in to their rescue. This symbol of an eagle communicates something about the speed and the strength of his rescue. The eagle takes us back to the Exodus. If you catch that, the day they became a nation, after God heroically delivers them from Egypt, he tells them, In Exodus 19.4, he says, "'You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians "'and how I bore you on wings "'and brought you to myself. "'With strength and speed, like an eagle, "'God swoops in and overpowered Egypt "'and whisked his Israel away.'" But here in Isaiah... Israel has been in exile for 70 years. Assyria and Babylon have taken them away. And God has allowed them to be under judgment. And now Israel needs her eagle. They need their savior to act. They need a new exodus, one that is permanent and final. And she feels forgotten. She doesn't know if those promises given to Abraham still exist or if they screwed them all up. So Isaiah draws her memory to the Exodus. And in chapter 41, he reassures Israel just, in fact, what he thinks of them. They are wondering if they're still his chosen people. Does he still want them? And he says... Isaiah 41, 10, I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Dear sisters in Christ, you are chosen. He sees you. Fear not, for he is with you. Do not be dismayed, for he is your God. He will uphold you with his righteous right hand. The God of Israel and Jacob sees you, and he is the God who saves. In my own testimony, just a couple days later, we got another call. You see, in our yes to that baby girl, the social workers learned about us. They learned that there was a couple that was willing to take a medically fragile baby. So they called us asking if we'd be interested in a little boy who had just had heart surgery and needed a home. In God's amazing way of helping his children, he swooped down into our darkness like an eagle and handed us a very broken baby boy. For somehow, God knew that I needed a very broken baby to help me heal my very broken heart. Together, we all healed. I remember being so terrified to even hold him There were special ways to hold him. He was so fragile. He was on oxygen for seven months. And there were special medicines and ways to handle him. And we weren't allowed to be around anybody (laughs) because he couldn't get sick. And he was so amazing. I remember being scared to even say I love you to him. Because there was no way to know if we would ever get to keep him but we did. We dove all in, and we said our I love yous, and we promised. These verses are not just about Isaiah's or Israel's eagle and her Savior. They are also prophetic, speaking 700 years into the future. So Isaiah is talking to Israel and Judah 70 years ahead to their exile being complete and also 700 years ahead to the Messiah. We saw in our homework that Israel was called a servant and friend and we find that we're in need of a Messiah, the need of a servant to come in the form of a Messiah and Savior who embodies the salvation of our God, a God who saves. And this Messiah, this Messiah is so gentle, so gentle that he's described in this way in Isaiah 42:3, A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. This is how gentle your Savior is. Verses 4 through 7 go on to say, He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he established justice in the earth and the coastland waits for his law. Thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people a light for the nations, to open the eyes of the blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon and from the prison those who sit in darkness. Your God is a star-breathing God who put breath in your lungs and he sees you. He cares and he will act so that when you pass through the waters, he will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched by the flame. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, declares the Lord. That's Isaiah 42, verse 2 through 3. Our part is to wait and hope in the Lord. And I don't have a grand bow to tie on today's lecture because... That same broken little boy, we did get to keep him, and he is almost 10. And this week, after the wonderful experience at Bible camp, he was gripped and frozen with fear, anxiety, and just beside himself. And I found the end of me, and at the end of me is where the Lord begins. Because I don't have it all together, that very broken little boy still is sometimes very broken. And I sat and I wept and I stood and I declared that God is good in the midst of anything we face. Today, my air conditioner quit and <laughs> just preparing for my lecture. And um, it wasn't just quit. It's I have to replace the whole thing. And I stand and I declare that God is good. No matter what you face, whether it's big bills or anything, that same nine-year-old, almost 10-year-old is going to have to do another heart procedure this year. And I stand and I declare God is good. Ladies, come up here to the summit and look and behold your God. He is the God who saves. And as we close, I want you to bask in some of his names because across Isaiah... The Father is declaring who he is to you. He says that here are just some of his names. He talks about himself. He is Lord Yahweh, the God of Israel, the God of all the earth. He is sovereign Lord. He is Lord Almighty. He is the Lord your God. He is the shepherd, potter, holy one. Creator, Redeemer, King, Savior, first and the last. He is the Rock Eternal, Maker, Spirit, Mighty One, Husband, Father, Light of Israel, Most High, Righteous One, Glorious Crown, Spirit of Justice, Judge and Lawgiver, Warrior, just to name a few. He is all of those things for you. Every single one. Sometimes I need my lawyer. Sometimes I need my judge. But I always need my Savior. I don't have a bow for you, but we are building something here. Because the Messiah, he is here, and he loves you. Lord Jesus, thank you for each one of these ladies. Thank you for my sisters here, and we just declare that you are good. No matter what we have going on, no matter what is coming at us, we stand and we declare that you are good are the God who saves, and we will stand and behold that you are all-powerful, all-knowing, and that you care. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being our comforter. In Jesus' name, amen.